Okay, hi everyone. Welcome to SAMA, a program which invites an expert each week to discuss a topic from their area of expertise. This week we are delighted to have Dr. Rakimov to teach us how to breathe correctly. Dr. Rakimov is an alternative health educator and author. He is the world's leading inventor of breathing retraining methods and the developer of the Boutiquio technique. He is internationally known for his work as a scientist, writer, and breathing trainer and teacher. He is a natural healthcare practitioner who has transformed thousands of lives over the past 12 years. Dr. Rakimov is engaged in dispelling popular beliefs related to respiration and bringing innovations and knowledge into the mainstream of medicine, alternative health, and society. He is the inventor of the amazing DIY breathing device and the author of the world's largest website devoted to breathing retraining for real health through higher body oxygenation. Welcome to our show, Dr. Rogimov. It's wonderful to have you with us. Thank you, John. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, please tell us, um, why did you first decide to develop the book, um, the book, I always say that wrong, Boutico technique. Well, uh, you mean how I get involved? Yes, yes. Uh, okay, yeah, well, I get involved because of actually my health problems, which I developed um, about 22, 23 years ago. And mm -hmm. I was looking for all type of solutions and uh, I had numerous infections, maybe many, many of them during the winter season when I was trying to go like to go uh, or cross-country skiing or running you know and uh, i have done all my life a lot uh, having like compete competed at almost like professional level and being a member of two uh, teams of the moscow state university where i studied in moscow and uh, so i, I developed uh, chronic health problems related to like sinus was blocked sleep quality was very poor i could get like maybe 10, 11 hours of sleep and was like feeling very tired and blood, uh -huh. blood sugar control was awful. I had uh, reactive hyperglycemia and reactive hypoglycemia. So you can imagine like if you eat a meal, like almost ordinary meal, of course with carbohydrates, this is how most people eat. And you get very high blood sugar, then blood sugar gets very, very low and you start get sweaty, shaking and like feel like really, really abnormal. So uh, uh, having infections, as I mentioned, sinusitis. So all these um, kind of health problems tell me very clearly that like something is really wrong with my body. So I was right. all type of solutions. I had many water fasts, like up to seven, nine, eleven. I want, I think, fifteen days. I had water fast, uh, juice fast, up to like forty days. Lost like awful, like twenty kilograms. I'm quite slim so losing 20 kilograms made me <laughs> completely like skinny so and uh, I, I tried many other uh, things that it was late 90s and I could not find like any answer like really was um, kind of frustrating to see like, that you cannot find what is going on and then uh, accidentally like because I was at the time I uh, was virtually no internet what I was doing I would go to a library and when I was I was already in Canada since 1994 and later became a Canadian citizen. So I could go to like, let's say Toronto Public Library, University of Toronto Libraries and get books and study what I wanted because internet was, did not exist in the 90s, almost like virtually no internet yet. 
So I would get like a stack of books, you know, bring them home and read and see and what, what is to find. And I was doing later also the same traveling in other countries, like going to libraries and so on. And uh, once when I was in, uh, in England, I got a book about uh, Buteyka Briefing Method. So, and I read the book, it was uh, Teresa Hale, Briefing Free, and Alexander Stalmatsky had the book, Freedom from Asthma. So I, I read those books and uh, like, uh, I found that it's actually something which makes, made sense for me. I measured my control post, there is a simple DIY test, how we can measure our briefing, so maybe I can tell about it later. And I discovered okay. my, my results were very poor. I knew that I was briefing through the mouth a lot. I slept on the back at night. So I kind of violated many rules, which we discovered, like Dr. Buteyka and doctors that he trained, which we discovered are extremely uh, uh, effective and beneficial and useful for restoration of health. So, and I started to follow like kind of the uh, general ideas, recommendations, which I could find. And uh, it was already 2000 at this time. And those already very early kind of, uh, um, uh, early kind of years of internet, but we already had quite many information about this technique from Russia, so I could read in, in my kind of uh, second, my, Russian is my second language, English is the third, so I could read in Russian easily, of course, all this literature, and since my mother uh, walked almost all her life as a high-ranking medical doctor, teaching, training doctors as well. Uh, I could understand, of course, many concept ideas and I started to apply myself and literally in, in one week time, uh, I, I got more improvement than all previous years of trying uh, and doing. I could start running, I could start like uh, running, jogging and uh, fatigue disappeared very fast, infections and reactive hyper and hypoglycemia, both of them. So they're very, very, very light changes. So, and then I started like to look at uh, what is going on in the Western world in relation to this technique. So I found these books, but, uh, and I found uh, communities of people, a group of practitioners, Buteyka uh, support group, and I was starting to read, look, and then kind of, I started also to read Russian uh, materials written by Dr. Buteyka himself and by his doctors, the clinical trials. Uh, so there are sites also, I believe there were already sites from uh, Buteyka Clinic in Moscow, in Voronezh, because there are uh, other doctors who are still practicing the Buteyka technique back in Russia. And I discovered yeah. that uh, kind of the information which is provided on the West, it's like too little, sometimes maybe it's a little bit different what the original sources say. So I became yeah. a bridge because I realized that it's kind of su such an important thing to uh, help to translate that information made it, make it available. And so I, uh, I uh, wrote a book for practitioners, eventually it became book, Normal Briefing, The Key to Vital Health. And I updated it several times. So it became like from about 100 now up to about 350 pages. It's quite big book, you can imagine, with a lot of physiology research because I also later found that there is a huge amount of information in the Western world to support many general ideas of Dr. Buteyka, such as that uh, people who are sick, and generally I'm talking about lifestyle diseases. So lifestyle disease uh, we can define as, like we are call, also called disease of civilization, or non-contagious non diseases, as doctor call them. We account now for about 70% of mortality in the Western world. So about 70% of people die from disease. Again, like three main killers would be uh, diabetes and complication, heart disease, cancer, 
and respiratory problems, which is asthma, COPD, and others. So these are four main killers, which is known like from statistics. And uh, this is exactly where Buteyka method works really well because like uh, from the research of Soviet and Russian doctors, although in the West it's mostly emphasized its application for asthma. So, and uh, in Russia we had even like in Ukraine we had a clinical trial that done by a doctor and this is a topic of one of my Amazon books called Doctors Who Cure Cancer. So I described this clinical trial where a doctor uh, trained by Dr. Buteyka applied this method of uh, how to reduce slow down breathing to towards the medical norm. And he managed to reduce mortality for early metastatic uh, breast cancer by six times, which is if six times you can imagine like it's very phenomenal results because mm -hmm. common results like for uh, which prove usefulness of chemotherapy and radiation this is why doctors apply chemotherapy, radiation, when cancer becomes serious, especially metastatic. Mm -hmm. uh, common success rate, like common like a, a reduction of mortality would be somewhere about 5, 10, maybe 20% in a few trials. So and that's enough reason for doctors to apply this technique. But briefing retraining managed to uh, 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 reduce mortality by about 85%. So six times it's like about 85%, which is like way, way better, of course, method. So and cancer looks like totally different uh, uh, disease or uh, health problem. For example, if we compare it with asthma, asthma is like respiratory condition and cancer, very different. So, but results are similar. And uh, as I started to talk like on the West, a lot of support meaning that if we take measurements of uh, automatic unconscious briefing in people with cancer, heart disease, asthma, diabetes, COPD, epilepsy, and very, very long list again of diseases of lifestyle, so-called, we can discover that actually all these people and not like not 90% of these people, but 100% of all these mildly sick, moderately sick uh, uh, patients are going to have uh, respiratory rates, like if we measure, for example, the immune ventilation, somewhere around two, three times above the norm. So we breathe much more air every minute. And this is exactly what I mean when I talk about, for example, breathing, when I say like in like in this talk, for example, or in my books or lectures and so on, briefing retraining, I mean, the purpose of our therapy is to retrain automatic unconscious briefing pattern, something which for most people goes like without paying attention. People just brief like how your body dictate them during sleep, after meals, during exercise all the time. We, we have, of course, some control. Some people may try to breathe through the nose, for example, during exercise or other activities. And some people may practice different briefing exercises, pranayama with briefing devices and so on, which is another like very, very large topics by themselves. But what I'm talking here about, about how to get this result and what happens when we get this result. So, uh, 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 so there are a lot of research related to, again, that sick people brief too much. A lot of studies also uh, exist on the West, which you can open normalbriefing.org, website normalbriefing.org, and you can see a big table, you can see like charts, graphs, historical graphs showing that 100 years ago, people used to brief somewhere around uh, two, three times less air than normal, ordinary people. So I'm not talking now about people who have diseases, but so-called normal subjects, or ordinary people. So ordinary people now breathe about two times and or more than two times more in comparison with what was common or normal 
100 years ago. And some studies can be found, of course, not only 100, if we go back 120, 150 years ago, because already 1860s, 1870s, there were already publications in physiological literature showing what are the typical results, how much people breathe, what is frequency, tidal volume, like, and all these parameters. Isn't that, isn't that amazingly interesting? That, that's just this, this last thing you've just touched on, but I want to first of all, before we dive into this path, I just want to uh, uh, poke my nose down this other path. You're saying that people who had these diseases, 100% were breathing more than, than other people. Would that be because the disease needs more oxygen and is making them breathe faster, or is the disease caused by the increase in oxygen? <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, uh, whatever the way, uh, <laughs> it's a kind of similar to what uh, came first, the chicken or the egg, <laughs> like, <laughs> because we, we can discuss that um, it's kind of uh, kind of uh, uh, serious and uh, very big topic as well, which maybe. Uh, it's easier to uh, kind of I can answer it on two levels. On one level, that we can consider that in relation to different lifestyle factors, and when people change a lifestyle factor, and the lifestyle factor becomes uh, abnormal or ineffective, let's say somebody starts to sleep on the back at night, and this we can carry. We know in the, a lot of research uh, also discovered in relation to effect of different sleep positions, which again, like by itself, is a big topic. Or people start to breathe through the mouth. Or people, let's say, we graduate from the university or college and we stop doing the same amount of physical exercise. So it's also people start very stressful jobs. So there are kind of um, uh, going back to this question: What came first, breathing don't help? What matters for me most, and what I see in all my students and those many people who already became practitioners after experiencing this method, is that uh, if we manage to slow down breathing back to the medical norm. We not only increase, uh, of course, oxygen supply to the brain, to the heart, oxygen content in all these vital organs, which is again proven by dozens of studies in the West as well. We, in addition to that, in addition to normalizing uh, breathing, we are able to defeat any chronic disease. And this is why Dr. Buteke developed this Buteke table of health zones, where he showed that there is so-called normal breathing. So there is a norm in, in the middle of the line, which uh, provides a certain parameters. But this, param he, this parameter that he suggested, like this Dr. Buteki in 1960s, they are a little bit different from medical norm because the medical norm, if we look at this chart, would correspond to health level five. And that would be 12 breaths a minute, 5.3% uh, of carbon dioxide, which is 40 millimeters mercury, six liters per minute ventilation. So Dr. Budeka norm is a little bit tougher, a little bit more difficult to achieve. But again, going back to what we are talking about, modern people and chronic diseases, modern people now have about health level three, and that gives the minute ventilation here would be somewhere around 12 liters a minute. So we breathe twice more than the medical norm. We breathe more frequent. So we have a little bit higher heart rate. CO2 is a little bit higher than the norm. Sorry, a little bit lower CO2, carbon dioxide. This is alveolar CO2. And uh, so uh, control pause, this is a DIY test. Maybe I can explain later how we can measure ourselves, our breath, 
control course of body oxygen test. It's about 20 seconds, uh, common numbers which we see. And uh, but, uh, Buteka practitioners, like I know many Buteka colleagues, like I, I participate in forums for Buteka practitioners, they all say that 20 seconds is about extremely like common number for just ordinary subjects. Whereas, again, if we look at people who are already sick and who have, let's say, mild asthma or mild heart disease or initial stages of diabetes and many other conditions, we would have around 15 seconds. So we would be a little bit low. 10 seconds right. would be already people who are really like quite sick, they are very likely to have medication and likely to have a lot of different symptoms. And so when breathing gets down to so heavy that people breathe about 30 breaths a minute, and that's like kind of, they would complain about shortness of breath, the pulse, heart rate likely to be 100 or more, so breathing frequency more than 30 breaths a minute. And these are actually exact numbers which I found in so many studies, even in very recent studies done on uh, COVID-19 or coronavirus infections, that actually mm -hmm. during uh, last stages when you have to consider the uh, RDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome, and lungs get inflamed, and this like, kind of uh, mortality is very high, like 40-50% of people are going to die just because of development of this inflammation in the lungs. What we write that actually we breathe in frequencies more than 30 breaths a minute, you see, and this right. is because this is a gradual process. It does not take in one day. It's not that, it's not that we breathe like 8 breaths per minute or 12 breaths a minute, which is a medical norm, and then we all of a sudden breathe 30 breaths a minute. This is a very gradual process, which we know relates to lifestyle. So that's why we call it lifestyle disease. And that's, uh, uh, that's like why I believe uh, breathing retraining is a technique which is, has a huge potential. And here we have different kinds of methods, techniques uh, within this method, because even let's say correctly done pranayama or buteka uh, breathing, reduced breathing exercise or let's say, using the Frolov briefing device, which is very common, like in Russia, we sold 2 million Frolov devices through pharmacies during uh, this century, like during last decades, it's extremely common. There are close to, according to my estimates, at least like six, 700 medical doctors who advise to their patients to use the Frolov briefing device. We have like several companies which produce Frolov briefing device developed by military colonel uh, Frolov who lived next to Buteyka virtually who knew about CO2 and all this like <laughs> uh, uh, Also uh, very powerful methods exist altogether and we have to select which techniques of them are more applicable, easier to apply, like easier to practice, easier to achieve better results for, for our students. They live, they live next to each other. They always say that the best ideas come up in bars. <laughs> so that was I've met each other in the bar. Um, Bev Roth has asked a question. Um, this is coming to what I, which I'm really bursting to ask you. You're saying that 100 years ago, people were breathing maybe 50% of the rate now. Uh, Bev makes the comment that the air quality 100 years ago may have been much better than it was today, and possibly the CO2 levels were reduced. Well, CO2 did not change much. People who study like carbon emission would tell you we had fluctuations of carbon dioxide like uh, much way way uh, stronger due to other factors uh, during okay. like uh, uh, whatever time like you can take thousands millions of years and so on but uh, about quality of air it is a it is like a, i consider that as a very small factor in comparison with many other lifestyle changes that took place and that's actually one of the most common question i i ask i'm asked uh, 
during lectures and by our students as well, that uh, what are the reasons, like why 100 years ago people used to brief, and again we are talking about autonomic or unconscious briefing, so differently. And I can answer that like from two different kind of uh, viewpoints. I can answer why modern people uh, brief so heavy, which I, uh, which I believe uh, one of the key factors related to also lifestyle diseases and why people in the past had uh, what, what was different in the lifestyle in comparison with the modern lifestyle. So in, in relation to modern people, uh, like the two initial factors which I always uh, start to discuss with students or people who take the courses, you know, classes, life classes and so on, would relate to sleep. That's a particularly interesting thing because like uh, what I found uh, uh, peculiar or specific related to sleep is that if we consider uh, all these lifestyle diseases, which we already mentioned, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, uh, respiratory conditions, COPD, asthma, and so on, what we can find in common that there is certain time of day when people have highest mortality and highest chances to have acute exacerbations or attacks, let's say asthma attack or heart attack, stroke, COPD attack, similar to like from what people die from coronavirus or um, uh, COVID-19, because we would have some acute respiratory attack which can result in respiratory failure and death. So that's right. kind of, uh, uh, so the question is, what is the time of the day when these attacks are most likely to occur? So I was interested in this question many years ago when I wrote my book for practitioners and I discovered that uh, surprisingly, regardless of the name of the disease, regardless of the name of the disease, all team of doctors, I found about I think 11 or 12 medical studies, found that the time of the day is actually totally the same. And this is a time when person is in bed and this is called early morning hours between four and seven o'clock in the morning. So this is epidemiological or statistical research telling us that people are most likely to die in bed. And uh, I spoke with some doctors and nurses and we say that we know that it's true. We know that this is true, people have highest chances to die. Now here like rises the question, okay, like people say, oh, you, uh, diet kind of is an important factor, but people don't die after they eat, <laughs> so they die during sleep at rest. So seems to be okay. That, that means like breath probably can play a more important role, although mm -hmm. diet I know hugely is, is hugely important as well. So mm -hmm. what happens here is that Dr. Boteka discovered actually that there are two very simple and <laughs> actually visible factor <laughs> which you can go to the hospital ward. Or if you like have relatives, you can come and look at them and you can realize literally uh, within seconds if these factors are right or wrong. So and these two factors are related to, first of all, which I already mentioned, sleep position. So when people sleep on the back, they're able to breathe more air and that causes kind of even further reduction of oxygen content in the brain, heart, and depending on genetics, depending on the environment, what we eat and how the body is constructed. All organs and uh, systems start to suffer, but some of them will start, uh, start to suffer more. And it can be brain, can be heart, and can be some other parts of the body. And then, of course, that's why people develop all these, uh, again, heart attacks, asthma attacks, stroke, seizures due to epilepsy, and so on. Uh, 
So that happens because breathing is heaviest, we know statistically, and Dr. Budek, again, he was a manager of the respiratory laboratory for about 10 years in Novosibirsk. Uh, he was given a laboratory actually due to uh, desire of Soviets to investigate briefing because of first uh, spaceship missions. He was actually a spaceship mm -hmm. doctor. So because mm -hmm. he, he was, that's why he got like such exclusive conditions where he had, he could buy any equipment anywhere in the world. He bought like some devices even from Japan, from United States uh, to, to conduct measurements because it was for spaceship research. In 1964, first man was in space and that was Yuri wow. Gagarin, so we know it. And so Dr. Boteko was again among those people like support personnel who made it possible. And so uh, therefore, he discovered that actually when people sleep on the back, that is the worst sleeping positions. And later again, like when I myself did again research for Buteka, for Western practitioners and wrote my book in English, I uh, found uh, 26 or 27 Western studies where doctors again compared different sleep positions. Left, right, supine on the back or prone. Prone like means face down on your chest. And uh, all 27 studies came to the same conclusion, which even for me was surprising because conditions were very different. We never heard mm -hmm. about, about briefing, about Buteyka. About half conditions were uh, sleep-related, which could be, again, like asthma, snoring, uh, bruxism, sleep paralysis, sleep hallucinations, and so on. But we were like kind of very, very closely related to, again, like... Um, sleep apnea and so on, related to lifestyle disease, many of course be well for lifestyle diseases in a way that uh, all 27 studies, regardless again of the name of the disease and all different team of doctors, came to the same conclusion that supine sleep produced the worst effects on people. So, and that's why we would suggest that the best kind of uh, way to sleep would be to avoid supine sleep. So that was factor number one. And the uh, uh, second factor, which I already uh, uh, mentioned, uh, like uh, kind of uh, want to mention here, would, re uh, would relate to which way of briefing we use. Is it nose briefing or mouth briefing? And what Dr. Buteyko discovered is that mouth briefing causes literally devastating effects. And by now we know that there are probably about 18 or 20 documented physiological negative effects of mouth briefing on the human body. And of course, it takes place um, regardless of the time when we do it. It can happen during sleep or it can happen, for example, during physical exercise. I never knew about that before, of course, because when uh, people exercise and if you look at modern athletes, it's known from uh, even some physiological studies that uh, in, we did like, let's say, during some races, we measure it. Uh, cross-country races or medium distance races, up to 99.8% or more of athletes would breathe through the mouth. So it's like extremely rare for people mm -hmm. to breathe through the nose. And it's like long topic, like if it relates to sport, I could explain how it works. But basically when people have heavy breathing at rest, they need to keep level of CO2 low during exercise. And this is why the breathing gets proportionally heavier during the exercise. So the heavier the exercise, the more air we need to ventilate. And that makes it impossible to breathe through the nose because through the nose we get more resistance. And we also have increased dead space, so it helps us to have higher CO2 levels, plus many other, like nitric oxide and many other, again, like as I mentioned, HTN20, positive effects of nose breathing. So therefore what happened that uh, mouth breathing is extremely common. If, we, if you have, like, again, uh, relatives, friends, if you come at night to see how they breathe, what would be the most common picture in the very sick person? 
sleeping on the back, breathing through the mouth. So what would be the common picture which we would see in, in a very healthy person would be exactly opposite. So sleeping left, right side on the chest, breathing through the nose, very, very quietly. So quiet that you can get frightened. You can come and see like if he or she is really alive because this is how healthy people should breathe. And like even from evolutionary physiological viewpoint, like, like evolutionary biological viewpoint, we can also like uh, assume that actually it was extremely beneficial for our survival you know to when you sleep at night like to have a very quiet briefing so that you will not be detected because you know so many predators we had like in the past and could be enemies as well so the kind of many different reasons so that's uh, two initial factors related to why uh, modern people are so sick and that's factors again which i start to teach during the course to people who want to uh, to change their breath. But talking about like why people in the past were healthier, the single most probably uh, most kind of um, effective and most useful factor was the large amount of physical exercise we had. So 100 years ago, uh, almost no cars, no computers, no planes. So people would walk to their work, job. Most job were done like physical labor. So, and therefore, of course, it was common for people to get eight, 10, 12 hours or more of exercise when your body is moves all the time. So your body is moving. That means mm -hmm. it's kind of equivalent maybe to walking and a similar type of metabolism. And uh, mm -hmm. not only that, what is also known from, like from facts that uh, mouth breathing was not only uncommon and popular, uh, but it was also like, uh, uh, there is like kind of certain psychological attitude which is uh, very different right now because if you look at the word mouth briefer and if you open for example urban dictionary or you open old let's say like 50 or 70 years old oxford dictionary you would write mouth briefer it's like equivalent to maron imbecile stupid person so that would, was the kind of perception of the past. And people were actually, I believe, much more observant. So we would realize that if somebody started to breathe through the mouth, like something is really not right with this person, and like something like bad is going to happen with them. That was probably a result of the experiences like with people who start to breathe through the mouth. So that was perception. And so that's kind of answering the question why 100 years ago breath was so different. Right. Um, they've asked another question. Um, for someone that has intense coughing fits, that can't they can't stop, mm -hmm. and they go on for such a long period of time that they're painful and quite exhausting. But would the um, would your breathing technique help for that for the uh, to reduce the coughing? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, uh, we have videos on YouTube, at least two videos, which explain the breathing exercise. Uh, um, how to stop coughing in yeah. in two three minutes but I know practically that uh, uh, for overwhelming majority of people probably 80% 90% we can stop it in two three minutes uh, by uh, 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 what we need to do <laughs> we need to start and learn how to cough only through the nose and that dramatically reduces um, uh, tension and friction which is created due to coughing. There are physiological studies which discovered that if we measure the velocity of air when they come through the from our airways it can be as high as 100 kilometers an hour. So there is very high speed of 
air when we cough uh, with such again vigor applying our uh, muscles, our respiratory muscles. Yeah. And the problem is dramatically exacerbated by the fact that coughing takes place due to the coughing reflex. And the most common reason, um, of course, people may cough, let's say, if, you, if there is some uh, dust or some uh, powder appear it in air, and if you take inhale, you would feel a desire to cough. So this is how coughing reflect can be triggered. But in people who are sick, it's most commonly the result of infection or inflammation, which take place in airways. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but what does it mean? Like when inflammation takes place in bronchi, bronchioles, inflamed cells, we are much larger because we have more water, but also the structural integrity or mechanical strength is much weaker. And that means like, well, you, everybody knows when there is like inflammation, if you have a cut and you, you see redness, swelling. So similar effect takes place in the lungs. And these cells are very fragile. That means like this air, which we cough violently, is able to rupture the cells. So we can cause mechanical damage to our airways. And that exacerbates my coughing worse. So it's kind of become a self-perpetuating activity. Right. So the, like the first step is to cough through the nose, which is what we teach. In, uh, you, you can read probably hundreds of comments like, of experiences of people on YouTube as well that cough through the nose. But in addition to that, you can also learn later how to cough while keeping your mouth and your nose closed. So actually, you don't have any additional air exchange because coughing, right. is, in addition, is uh, just one of the uh, effects and uh, also factors which exacerbate or make hyperventilation worse. So you breathe more air and because of causing more damage to your own airways, people start to cough even more and we hyperventilate even more and that further undermines the state of the immune system because we now know that uh, with again experience of thousands and thousands of people who learn the Buteka method and who practice other breathing retraining techniques that if a person is able to get more than 20 seconds and this is again like a little bit better result than most modern people have for the body oxygen test then this desire to cough and uh, infections they disappear very fast so the same it also relates similarly to, uh, to infections in our upper airways, in sinuses. So when people have blocked nose, people have infections in their sinuses, nose can be blocked. Uh, we knew it again long ago uh, that if these students are able to achieve over 20 seconds for the body oxygen test in the morning during daytime, then their nose becomes clear all the time. So coughing and sinusitis, both we would need more than 20 seconds uh, for the body oxygen test in order, in order also for immune system to normalize its work against these pathogens, be it upper respiratory or lower respiratory ways. Right. Now, I've been measuring you. You've been about 25 seconds when you're... <laughs> and that's a good score, right? <laughs> well, um, uh, if you start to talk about the CP or body oxygen test, I found that actually most people, especially when they started to learn on their own, like they read, for example, website or they read web page and they see how to do the test, they still, they still get um, unrealistic results. They get results way better than the real score is. So to do this body oxygen test on 
or how we measure, because doctors can measure all, all these parameters that they have in the table. But mm -hmm. this gray, gray column here, this is indicates exactly this CP test in seconds, or I call it also body oxygen test, which is a test developed by Dr. Buteka, control post by Dr. Buteka. And this test requires uh, two uh, very important factors. So one important factor is that in order to do this, well, I, I can say probably even three important factors. One important factor is you don't manipulate with your breath. You don't take deeper breath, you don't take deep uh, inhalation, or inhalation should be normal. The same as you do, let's say, right now while sitting. So it's a very quiet, calm breathing we have when we sit. And what we do then, after one of the exhalations, when we have normal usual exhale, or you, you can relax completely, that also causes exhalation. A spontaneous or natural exhalation, pinch the nose. So that means you have quite little amount of air in le le left in lungs. So you don't manipulate uh, your breath before the test and you have exhalation, usual exhalation, about 2.2 liters of air still left in the lungs. Our lungs, are, we are never empty. And so right. at this moment of time when you exhale, pinch the nose and start counting how many seconds you can hold your breath comfortably and without any stress at all. What does it mean without any stress? That means, let's say, most people, five seconds, seven, 10 seconds, we feel nothing. We feel quite comfortable, we can hold breath. But somewhere around maybe 12, 15, 20 seconds, we feel kind of, maybe there is a most commonly muscular movement in the diaphragm or chest or respiratory muscles, we kind of tell you, okay, it's now time to breathe, to resume breathing. And what happens if you continue to hold your breath, this rest starts to grow more 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 stress three five three seconds five seconds people can push themselves twice longer most people can do it we know it and uh, but we don't want it we want only this stress-free time because that would correlate very well with how much oxygen you have in the body and that would allow us to evaluate actually where are you in terms of your health state and in relation to symptoms dr butek even was telling that actually nearly all medications that doctor provide uh, would be much more accurately provided based on this test because he tested like how it works on people again with asthma with hypertension and so because it, it, it allows a very kind of uh, uh, useful monitoring what is going on with our respiratory moment right now so and uh, of course people who are sick as I discussed like commonly most common feature is moderately sick people again heart disease asthma diabetic and so on 15 seconds mildly sick people most likely already on medications with numerous symptoms would be 10 seconds and five seconds is a time when people virtually fight with death so like again if we consider these groups of people when we have like again severe health conditions and again numerous studies i mentioned before uh, re recent like again covid coronavirus studies uh, studies on people who die from uh, cancer and there are many studies also showing exactly the same numbers palliative so-called studies and when people already before death that they say that actually extremely strong predictors of mortality are parameters when heart rate is more than 100 you see that and respiratory frequency how many breaths per minute they take more than 30 exactly the same numbers which doctors would take already knew in 1960s so and these are numbers used by medical professionals in, in emergency and, and other like paramedics and hospitals clinics again when they care about critically ill people so that's uh, yeah that's why yeah it's kind of uh, makes sense for people like say if you start to slow down your breath you your breath becomes calm you get more oxygen you 
normalize or start to improve the state of your immune system and so on. Well, this is one thing that's contradictory though, isn't it? If you slow down your breath and your breathing's more shallow, then you say more oxygen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's, <laughs> it, 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 uh, for me too, it, it was contradictory when I first started to read because uh, all my life before that, I also believed that the more air you take, the more oxygen you get. So <laughs> when I started, like, first I read, of course, with Bottega-related uh, literature uh, from Bottega books and Bottega sources, but later I started to study, and I already mentioned that there are a lot of research, dozens of studies done on all, like, all vital organs, heart, brain, kidneys, liver, spleen, colon, stomach, uh, sometimes on horses, sometimes on dogs, sometimes on humans as well, like where it's possible to, yeah. to measure because it's a not so simple test, which proves that actually blood supply to all these organs is controlled by our breath. So, so blood supply, that means, what does it mean? Well, carbon dioxide, as some medical studies claim, is most potent vasodilator. So it dilates blood vessels. And I can explain shortly why uh, hyperventilation or overbriefing or debriefing, as doctors Buteyka call it, uh, reduces oxygen content in, in uh, cells and tissues of the human body. So if we, we can start with normal briefing. So if we look at normal briefing, again, like this is medical norm health level five here, and medical books would tell you six liters a minute, 40 millimeters mercury carbon dioxide level in the lungs, in the arterial blood. People take 12 breaths, every minute sitting at rest with a 70 kilogram person like numbers and half liter of air for one breath so 12 breaths a minute half liter six liters a minute and uh, uh, so what happens here is that our blood is 98 percent saturated with oxygen so just think about this fact with this very small briefing which is not common now not common any longer we discuss because people brief now twice more this was common again 100 years ago uh, you get 98% saturation of your hemoglobin, uh, red blood cells, with oxygen. So, 98%. So if you take more air, well, what you can get? 99%. So, 99 <laughs> like 1% improvement, maybe. Okay, maybe you can get 1% improvement with your blood oxygenation, if you breathe. Yeah. But the problem is that, of course, with deeper breathing, you remove carbon dioxide. And this is what we exactly see here. Carbon dioxide starts to drop. So the heavier you breathe, the carbon dioxide be becomes lower and lower, and it's mm -hmm. known already for probably 130 years or more uh, uh, from first experiments on animals that if, if you actually put animals on ventilation machine, like let's say dogs, uh, Jan mm -hmm. Henderson, a very famous physiologist, done, did, did these experiments. He was author of first like respiratory textbooks. He discovered that actually you can kill dogs very easily, like within probably somewhere around 15, 20 minutes by heavy breathing alone. So he put them on ventilators, forceful hyperventilation, and he mm -hmm. discovered that the dogs died because of heart failure, most common cause would be of death, uh, of death because heart muscle would not get enough oxygen supply, so, would be, uh, so that would be the cause of death. So going back to, again, normal breathing, 98% of oxygen we have in the blood, and mm -hmm. CO2 level is, again, normal, and that allows blood vessels to stay dilated. So our arteries and arterioles, we are highly sensitive. Again, some studies say that actually carbon dioxide is stronger than any medical drug. Tiny, tiny changes, as small as 0.1%, 0.1% of 
changes in CO2 makes blood vessels react. So you have more CO2, blood vessels expand. You have less CO2, blood vessels constrict. And therefore, if you start to hyperventilate or breathe more than the medical norm, our blood vessels constrict. So all vital organs, again, as it is proven by medical and physiological studies, get reduced blood supply due to hyperventilation. Now, uh, that's kind of medical fact, but if we think from practical viewpoint, what is going to happen with a person? Like imagine somebody, you, somebody else start to <laughs> like breathe really heavy, like um, what I'm showing now probably would be somewhere around like 120, 150 liters a minute. So we breathe, of course, way, way above the norm. So what is going to happen in this case? Well, it's known that people like in one, two minutes, most people get very dizzy. And many mm -hmm. people are able to faint, pass out. So wh why people faint? Like if you get more and more oxygen, you should become like smarter and smarter. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what, what is the problem? Well, the problem is that uh, we, as we discussed, that uh, carbon dioxide get way below the norm, and each point one yeah. percent tiny change in CO2 has constriction of blood vessels. So, so the more you breathe, blood vessels more and more constricted. So people actually faint or pass out because the carotid artery constricts that provides supply for the whole brain and that means that brain gets insufficient supply of nutrients whatever glucose if you ordinary carb diet or ketones if you use some special diets and oxygen so this crucial nutrients are reduced supply of crucial nutrients to the brain and of course as a physiological protective mechanism like created by our evolution the brain decides like to shut down certain areas to preserve function of other areas, for example, function which coordinates control of heart, control of our respiration, some other vital functions. But yeah. conscious brain, which is like 40% of known, like frontal part of the brain, cannot function any longer. And this is why we faint, because we cannot think any longer because there is no energy supply, no energy, no oxygen. So this is why we faint. It's like smart physiological response because it helps to preserve the life. So we don't need right. to, but let us take care. This is what brain thinks. Let us take care of all other important functions. So this is why people faint. And the actually, the question is so common that the very first image that we have on the homepage of normalbriefing.org in the very top, there are two brains there. One brain is like a sun shining with a lot of oxygen. It's like done with different colors. And after one minute of hyperventilation, you see that the same brain gets about twice less content of oxygen because of hyperventilation and the effect again proven again heart kidneys liver spleen like all vital organs get reduced blood supply reduced oxygen supply but the problem here is of course here we kind of consider it extremes normal mm -hmm. breathing then forceful strong hyperventilation twice drop in oxygen which is dramatic of course very strong unfortunately the problem here is that sick people they can hyperventilate mildly two times a norm, three times a norm. And most people would say like, hey, there is nothing wrong. Like, why? Because again, as I mentioned, during exercise, we can puff out, in and out, 120, 150 liters a minute. So therefore, mm -hmm. when people breathe twice a norm, which is 12 liters a minute, or three times a norm, 18 liters a minute, uh, we say well, like, there is, seems to be nothing wrong with my breath. So we breathe twice or so three times the norm. And it's kind of yeah, a hidden condition in a way. We may say in the way that this is hidden hyperventilation, but again, as soon as we do measurements or people do the body oxygen test, 
we realize that actually we body oxygenation instead of again normal would be around 40 seconds. And here again, we have a lot of research from the past. I have many studies done, like let's say 1920s, 1930s, long time ago, 100 years ago, which say that ordinary people used to have somewhere around 40, 45, 50 seconds for this body oxygen test. Whereas again, now 20 seconds is norm for ordinary people. And people who are sick, the sicker they are, the less the number becomes. Right, right. A lot of the people that are watching us now will be in self-quarantine. They'll be inside their homes and they'll be, they'll be worried about the lives of um, their family and loved ones. Can this breathing technique help them? Um, should they succumb to the virus, mm -hmm. will it help them with their breathing? Well, uh, yeah, that's, I, I myself, of course, like, <laughs> because I work in health, and so all my books are, uh, are written about briefing, uh, uh, looked at this question, look what we get, and kind of uh, also like kind of became one of the urgent projects for me as well. And uh, what I believe right now that, uh, and what we know again from uh, medical statistics, that uh, first of all, this virus is probably even not as bad as the virus that we had 100 years ago. Because 100 years ago, we had a virus which killed somewhere around maybe 20, 30 million people in Europe. And the mortality rate for this virus was very high, somewhere around like 10% or more. So at least it was twice more lethal in the past. I'm talking about flu, which was in addition, was uh, kind of very different that uh, this type of virus that we had 100 years ago killed a lot of very young and healthy people. So people who were totally healthy and somehow many like children and many age, uh, older people were not affected, even though they were infected, definitely. So right. our, uh, this is like kind of, uh, it's known many type of infections, viruses, we walk in these mysterious ways, you know, like for example, American Indians, 90% of uh, all these ancient civilizations, including Aztecs, Incas, you know, we died from viruses virtually, like, you know, smallpox, uh, uh, measles, influenza, flu, like similar yeah. viruses, because the body were not adapted. So it uh, depends, like there are so many factors involved in, in this game, like how human body, how particular person is going to react to virus, mm -hmm. not only age, not only state of immune system and so on, but uh, uh, also adaptability of immune system, because Europeans did not have the same mortality again from all these diseases, but American yeah. Indians, for example, died. And it's known, like for Europeans as well, like all Caucasians people, like there are certain tropical infections which may not affect, like, for example, people who live in Africa, but could be totally lethal, like really devastating effects if they, if, if they start to spread in the community of uh, Caucasians people. So uh, what we can say, therefore, about modern virus, it's kind of uh, uh, specific in a way that it attacks particularly well and like in terms of how it develops people who have low immunity. So people who are older and have uh, reduced immune state. I try to like look even at medical definition, what is official medicine, medicine is saying us about like, what, okay, if immunity is full or low, how can we normalize it? Because for me, like, it looks like a lifestyle disease because again, as I already discussed, like coughing and uh, sinusitis, we already discussed, you asked me about coughing previously. I told that we actually, when we develop the breath holding times get below 20 seconds, so people hyperventilate. 
it can be result of virus because of toxic load as well. But we also yeah. know, and I mentioned this fact before, that actually when people get more than 20 seconds, coughing disappears. And this is like, again, one of the central uh, free signs of this coronavirus, which again now, uh, fever, fever kind of normal reaction because the body try to produce more antibodies, try to find kind of the key to unlock this virus because it feels that something is wrong. But uh, two other factors, coughing, which we discussed, and shortness of breath. <laughs> shortness of breath, like there are medical studies done years ago, which found that actually the breath holding time test, which I described, has extremely good correlation with sensation of shortness of breath in people. So people, because also Bottega, it's like known, uh, for a love device, we were used by thousands of people with asthma and COPD. And these people very commonly would suffer, especially when the condition become moderate or severe. So when we get yeah. more problems, we have more shortness of breath, we can go upstairs, or we can just walk on a plane surface, long distance, and we feel breathlessness. We feel that we need more air, and we need yes. maybe to open mouth, you know, whatever, like we feel that the body does not react in a normal way to mm -hmm. the same conditions which we, we had in the past. So therefore, like what happens here is that I believe that uh, we have now an infection which in a way uh, very similar to lifestyle disease because poor immunity, in my view, it, uh, relates to people who particularly have less than 20 seconds for the body oxygen test. And this is why uh, a lot of modern people could, could relate to this, again, uh, situation, because if we do this test in the morning, when people wake up, more than 90% of students, I know it again from experience, like teaching uh, this uh, method for many years, that 90% of people, of students, get lowest result for this body oxygen test, which we discussed, in the early morning time, when they wake up. And it makes total sense with what I already mentioned in relation to this uh, epidemiological studies on highest mortality, when people are most likely to die or have, again, all these exacerbations. Also, early morning hours, four to seven o'clock. This is the time when Dr. Buteke discovered that this is the time of the day, early morning hours, when breathing is heaviest and CO2 level is lowest body oxygen is lowest, the suppression of the immune system is highest. It is very weak immune system, particularly this uh, period, period of time, period of the day. And therefore, uh, that's why kind of uh, modern people are particularly susceptible to this, uh, would be particularly susceptible, or I would say more suspect, susceptible to this infection, uh, for example, in comparison with people who lived 100 years ago. As I mentioned, 100 years ago, people would have 40, 50 seconds. Breathing was very different. Immune system would be much stronger. And therefore, if the same effect, infection appeared, let's say, 100 years ago, I believe uh, probably people would not even notice because uh, flu, you know, kills millions of people every year anyway, like different type of flu, and they circulate every year all the time. So this one, uh, of course, because of the way it spreads faster, and it kills way, way faster. It kind of can be considered as a like lifestyle disease, which has a very quick development. That time actually is crucial to act, to act in a way that people need to take measures in order to uh, keep their health and immune state at a very good level. And the four hundred mm -hmm. like this question. Uh, of course, I, I'm absolutely sure that this technique. I'm now thinking about like again, like kind of even numbers. Uh, what can be done? Uh, it's like a long complex of measures because 
to retrain breath, like <laughs> I've been doing that already for so many years, and I can tell you that it's actually a very, very difficult thing because it's like most people take it for granted. You know, you breathe as you breathe, and to change it, like kind of even they, they may think that it's kind of intrusion into some kind of some natural processes. But what I believe at the same time, and what I can say you at the same time, that any abnormal lifestyle factor which uh, can appear or can exist or is introduced into humanity, like in particular person or in group of people or as a result of our culture, it immediately intensifies breathing. So I can give you a, a, some examples, some of them we already considered. You start sleeping on the back, that was not common, your breathing gets heavier, you have much lower results for the body oxygen test, you have very suppressed immune system, you would have much higher chances to develop uh, any health problems related to poor immunity, included coronavirus or COVID-19, for example. Mm -hmm. You breathe through the mouth anytime, not only when you like sit on computer or like do some other activities, but also during sleep. And even during physical exercise, we now know that there are uh, great advantages and benefits of breathing through the nose all the time during all physical exercise. As soon as somebody, and we had a lot of cases, of course, like this, because sometimes people are very sick. Uh, people say, I, 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 I cannot go uh, jogging or fast walking because I open mouth, I go uphill, I need to open my mouth. And I would always tell them that you need to slow down, stop, rest for one minute, don't go uphill, like do whatever it takes, but don't open your mouth, so very important. Mm -hmm only through the nose, absolutely, 100% of time. I had cases uh, with people even, that we would do for, let's say for a week, we, you know, like some athletes, some other people, we would do 95% of training of this session, 95% of time uh, through the nose. At last five minutes, we do like some sprints, you know, interval training or whatever, like very intensive. And we say, oh, I breathe, breathe through the mouth. And okay, <laughs> then, yeah. And then uh, let's say, but next week I will say, well, no more, no more of this 5%. Not, not at all, not even for three, five minutes, not even for one minute. We start to 100% through the nose. And as soon as we sun, we start make big difference make big difference. And when it's asthma, of course, like it's inflammation in addition due to mouth breathing, other effects. But even people who did not have respiratory conditions, I know that it would make a very big uh, improvement in the results, not just due to endorphins or due to perspiration, which are like additional effects of physical exercise. But Bottega considered physical exercise, Dr. Bottega, as a key factor of long-term maintenance of health. So he believes that actually people should maintain or keep the same level of the health, whatever, like let's say the health level they achieved using physical exercise. And he wrote that, uh, you can read it in his Bottega lecture because in 1968, he had a lecture for, uh, uh, for uh, leading scientists of the Moscow State University. So from Novosibirsk, he came to Moscow. We collected there all these academicians, professors, doctors to present like one of the biggest discovery in medicine. This is how it was presented. And the lecture was later published in the uh, Soviet journal called uh, Science and Life. It's something like scientific American equivalent, you know, like some very, very popular, because when I was a kid, like in school, I read a lot, like very, very interesting journal, Science and Life. Uh, and uh, so this lecture, in his lecture, he told that people actually uh, require for maintenance of good health somewhere around four, five hours of physical exercise daily with perspiration. So that would help to defeat chronic diseases. That was his opinion. What mm -hmm. I hear from modern people and what I know, of course, from, again, like from our students, that when people have poor health, when they are around 20 seconds or less, 
physical exercise is hard. It's a chore, you know, it's a burden. You need to kind of motivate, okay, now I need to like whatever, put shoes, like dress up, <laughs> go for physical exercise. And this is true, this is makes sense. What I found at the same time that when the same person gets up to health level four and this is 30 seconds for this test in the morning, it's very, very different. It would be way, way less complaints, almost rare. And uh, if some people go further, and we have uh, many students and many practitioners whom I train who get up to level 50, 60 seconds, and 60 seconds again is Dr. Buteka norm, people start to crave physical exercise. They, they like it. They, they, they enjoy physical exercise. They feel it as a normal physiological state, like it's, it's not difficult at all for them to exercise. And that also, I had totally the same experience myself because when I started this journey, I had about 10 seconds. Like when I did first measurements, I don't remember, eight, nine, 10 seconds, like first days. Was, but I knew my breath was very heavy as well. And exercise was like, I, I knew it was way, way more difficult to do. And it's true, mm -hmm. like with getting up to 40, 50, 60 seconds, it's huge difference in uh, humans kind of perception, desire to exercise. In addition to that, what we uh, discovered and what I again seen in many people that duration of sleep starts to shorten. So for example, with uh, 30 seconds for the body oxygen test, I found that virtually all students sleep about six, six and a half hours without restrictions, obviously. Mm -hmm. And if we get even bigger numbers, up to 50, 60 seconds. It's common to have four, really very few cases would sleep five hours. Again, naturally, without trying. And that, of course, gives you a lot of free time because if you have more time, you would be also more willing to do more exercise. But to achieve this result is very difficult. I can give you kind of uh, an idea why it is so difficult to achieve this result. Buteka method had numerous Western clinical trials. You can find six randomized, controlled, very large trials. I have it on the website done like in Australia, New Zealand, UK, like different countries on the Buteka technique for asthma. Okay, for asthma. And uh, as we discussed, asthmatics, when we start, we have about 15 seconds for this test. 15 seconds. Now, in these trials, we, public, uh, we practiced for about 40-60 minutes a day, briefing exercises, and we did some other changes, like taping mouth at night, if we did mouth briefing, prevention of supine sleep, physical exercise. We don't specify, but I would expect they would do more physical exercise, and of course, with nose briefing only. So, in, in, three, in the period of three to six months, we get improvement from 15 up to 25, okay? Uh, and that okay. already um, uh, allowed them to reduce medication by about 90%. Good gracious. It's a strong result, but again, looking at the Bottega table of health zones from 15 to 25, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like a speck in the universe. <laughs> can imagine. Can imagine the next step up, yeah. 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 It's definitely a step, but uh, you, you can, of course, see that it's, there is way more hidden in the Buteka table of health zones. Uh, Russians, some Russians claimed, like Dr. Buteka and some other, we would say actually like somewhere around, when people get 90 seconds on high, they, they had some like very weird effects, like it seems to be like pineal gland can be activated, you know, people like get into extrasensory perception, they can feel others, they can see auras around people, like all, all various other things, which 
I just myself, like, uh, it seems to be like with whatever, very few cases I, I, I know, it seems to be that this is true, but kind of it's so little known and, and it is so uh, kind of challenging to get to this state that it's, <laughs> and people start to sleep three hours, their digestive abilities improve dramatically, like there are many other additional changes. But uh, what we also know kind of from other sources, like Dr. Buteka himself, he had uh, breath holding time up to about two and a half, three minutes. So that's very, very top of super health. Like oh, really? Three minutes, three minutes. Imagine exhale, like on exhale without stress, holding breath for three minutes. That's of course, like phenomenal results. But what I found interesting, this number actually completely corresponds to results of uh, very, if you find very old books uh, uh, written by yoga masters, or people who travel to India, who train there, like 1920s, 30s, 40s, you can find that they actually would provide you very similar facts. They would tell you that like they would have breath holding time, like let's say Theos Bernard, Hatha Yoga wrote one, one of the books, one of them. He, he would write like, it's a normal test of my breath holding abilities uh, after, I think after usual inhalation, on inhalation, he was able to hold breath easily for five minutes after training. Uh, on Hatha Yoga, of course, in, in India. So, and uh, you can also find the uh, statement that actually yogi would normally sleep about two hours naturally, the same number as Dr. Buteka had himself by briefing retraining. And, and he himself actually had a keen interest in yoga. He studied yoga a lot. And in Russia, it was quite good literature. We had a lot of people actually traveling and describing yoga. Uh, where he wrote that actually yoga, we achieve the same result. Just we use a little different system, a little different method. But wow. the way you arrive, and it relates to briefing retraining. And that's why, like one of my, again, Amazon books is called Yoga Benefits Are in Briefing Class. So this is a very simple title of the book, Yoga Benefits. So you can get yoga benefits if you, if you slow down your breath. And you get, you get tremendous benefits if you practice it the right way. So I, I believe it completely because uh, we, we had so many people now who applied this yoga way as well. And we, we achieved similarly phenomenal improvements in health. Right, right. There are yoga techniques which is hyperventilating, but we won't go into that because there's two. Uh, there's two. <laughs> uh, well, fire breath on others when you do yeah. very, very fast, but with very small tidal volume, you actually are supposed to increase your CO2. It looks superficial, you breathe very fast. You understand? Because you see, you have 200. It's just reciprocating. 150 yeah. 200 milliliters back and forth, but imagine you breathe 250 or 300 milliliters back and forth. It's yeah. a very small breath, but with very high frequency. You can do it. Right. If yeah. you do it the right way, your CO2, how much again, your total ventilation of lungs should reduce and you actually get improvements in health if you do it the right way. But very few people actually teach it this Yoga well, that's right. That's not the way that I was taught. I, 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 I'd get very dizzy. But um, two questions. One of them, one of them is from um, beautiful Kamala Walker. She's asking, will the technique of breathing through the nose have a positive effect on body pain or muscle injuries? Well, it, it, it will help. Uh, but to what degree, it's very hard to say because, again, what uh, I'm discussing and what I know helps always and all the time because this is why I say that uh, briefing retraining helps to solve any health problem, like for all cases, provided that you made 
permanent changes in your automatic unconscious briefing. So when you do briefing retraining, it will help. Just knows briefing alone, well, it depends, of course, a lot how much mouth briefing contributed in the past to development right. of symptoms. So if, okay. if it was among, it could be for some people, it could be the only factor, which is like particularly uh, destructive. But if this factor coexists together with other factors, again, such as uh, sleeping on the back, for example, we discussed, uh, then of, of course, uh, just nose briefing alone uh, would give very limited benefits. So it's only, again, when we make changes, when we, again, like briefing retraining, I view it, uh, it's kind of a tricky way to, if we can call it a therapy, because in a way it's a result of the therapy. You know, when you retrain your breath, this is a result of application of something. But it's also like, probably it can be called as a therapy by itself, but then it's the therapy that always works. Because again, as soon as people manage to slow down their breath, the symptoms get reduced. And if we uh, require medication, we would need to reduce the medication because we found that the dose becomes just like the medication becomes stronger in its dose. And when people get better and better health, the same drug would cause much stronger effect. And that can be uh, in some cases like just um, kind of stressful, causes more symptoms, more problems. Like let's say hypertensive drugs can cause too low blood pressure. You know, the drugs yeah. are reducing blood pressure, but if you slow down your breath, you get normal, you need to reduce your medication because otherwise your blood pressure becomes too low that cause some other problems. Like people who take drug to reduce, for example, blood sugar levels. You know, blood mm -hmm. sugar gets better and better and even like when people get around 40 seconds for this test, uh, Dr. Butek had some doctors who were professionals and one of the doctors I remember because this her article was translated from Russian to English. She was a chief endocrinologist of the Krasnoyarsk region in Russia. So like you can imagine hormonal doctors for a big, very big area in Russia. And she was a Buteka doctor. And so she had, she had a lot of people, she wrote like hormonal conditions and that include Hashimoto disease, diabetes and other problems with hormones. They disappear when people get 40 seconds for the body oxygen test and the pulse is less than 70, uh, hormonal medication is no longer required. So because we, we have normal, we don't have symptoms, we have normal blood parameters. So that was her, her observation on her, uh, on her patients. So therefore, like we are, we know that it's like kind of, but again, like as I mentioned already in clinical trials of the Buteka method, the results were from 15 to 25, 90% of reduction of medication. Very, uh, very, very good result in terms of people having less symptoms. Wakafing is one of the key, of course, symptoms, shortness of breath and other in, in asthmatics. But in addition to that, of course, uh, we, we know that we get little improved uh, uh, quality of sleep. So great results. As I mentioned uh, before, this is small part. I can also mention that, for example, uh, I know that Western Buteka practitioners, they have this approach which allows easy application of the Buteka method for asthmatics, for example. But at the same time, if we want to achieve better results, people need to go even further. Like, for example, in Russian clinical trials, what I found, because in Russia we had very good results, as I mentioned, like in Soviet Union, Ukraine is... Ukrainian trial on cancer, I already mentioned, six times less in mortality. People practiced about between two and three hours of briefing exercises per day. 
So you can imagine it's way, way more. And uh, uh, to get up to 50, 60 seconds, and this is like, again, how some, I teach some of the students who have this time, this motivation, and practitioners as well, it also takes about two, three hours of briefing exercises a day. And the level of physical activity also needs to be very, very high because to achieve this level, it takes, of course, not only like long time, quite long time, but also a level somewhere around two, three hours of quite intensive exercise. Like, let's say you wow. start jogging every day uh, would be required for people to achieve this level. But again, once we achieve it there, it's easy for them to keep it there. So it's hard to get to achieve that. Because, because of that, I believe that it's not only therapy that it always works, it would be like, uh, <laughs> then uh, we can also say that this is the most challenging therapy. Because otherwise, like everybody would do it, you know, if, if it like take some pill or some supplement or you do some simple therapy and it works so well, everybody would do it. But this therapy is extremely challenging. I, I view it in a way like because I know, of course, how people practice other therapies. Like I know that a lot of people practice meditation and I know that most serious meditation students may spend like two hours a day on meditation. So right. it's actually comparable and meditation, it's known when you get in alpha state. Uh, when you calm down, your like analytical mind or like these voices in the head disappear. Your breath actually is reduced dramatically. It's extremely useful uh, breathing exercise by itself. Just by <laughs> you were saying that the benefits of meditation are because your breathing slows down when you're in the meditative the state. <laughs> Absolutely, this is how. Yes, yes, we we know it. And there are oh. studies on Buddhist monks showing that actually Buddhist monks they go into state of extreme hypoventilation when they get into this state. Extreme hypoventilation. So we breathe uh -huh. nearly, nearly nothing. So, yeah. but uh, what is, what I found uh, kind of uh, different because meditation people, very few of them uh, would make dramatic changes in their diet, for example. So it's, uh, we uh, would, uh, depending on the person, on the situation, it's, uh, the digestion is a huge topic by itself. I would not go there. But what I can say in addition to that, so it's not only two hours like doing these practices, you know, like sitting down and slowing down your breath with meditation again, or some of the techniques like reduced breathing or pranayama. Pranayama, also it's mindfulness exercise. You count your breath, you know, in out, you focus on, you go within. Basically, if you practice it correctly, you try to uh, kind of to, to reduce all type of sensory information, you know, you go within, like, oh, it has all this factorness of mindfulness or metacognition. But in addition to that, see, like, uh, our students need to do physical exercise. And without physical exercise, I know results are very limited. Like, if somebody does only 30 minutes per day, or let's say even one hour a day, if it's young people, for younger people, they call let's say 20s, 30s. They cannot get even 20 seconds for the result with one hour of exercise per day. We need more than one hour of exercise per day to start growing to get 30, 40 and upper numbers. And that makes it very challenging. That's why like on the West, I know uh, overwhelming majority of practitioners, we would be somewhere again at between 20 and 30, which is health level three. But Dr. Buteka, when he developed this method, what he discovered, and in a way, it made, I would agree that it, the idea it makes sense, that if a teacher achieved certain level, uh, his students are very unlikely to go, or her students unlikely go above this level. You understand, yeah? Like this is, this is how, that's why he, Dr. Buteka, when he 
uh, developed method in 60s and he trained about 200 doctors, mostly in Siberia, in 60s and 70s. Uh, he suggested that 60 seconds should be a norm. And in my view, probably majority of doctors, because it was like kind of disgusting, I, I read a lot of complaints from doctors actually that it's a very, too, too hard, it's too hard to achieve, no, it's true. We, we had, I know we had other doctors who had two and three, even three minutes uh, for this test. Wow. And two, three hours of sleep, naturally, like all, all these effects, uh, what takes place. But, uh, and uh, we, had, we had many, many others who get uh, 60 seconds. So, uh, of course, uh, phenomenal results in terms of like doctors themselves uh, yes. and showing that actually it's uh, health, which is not only based on breath, but also based on crucial importance of correctly done physical exercise. So again, physical exercise with mm -hmm. nose briefing on. So it's, it makes it kind of way different from, again, like uh, other alternative health doctors, because again, seeing that physical exercise actually was the key factor which made people 100 years ago uh, way healthier, again, in terms of uh, this like lifestyle disease. Mm -hmm. Mortality mm -hmm. was, uh, of course, way high and life expectancy was way low, but it was yeah. mostly, let's say, infections, injuries, wars, like contagious diseases and uh, so that would account for uh, most mortality so people were dying in a way like we were healthy 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 like to do like exercise do some labor work you know be useful members of their families of their communities and then one two three days we would die that's it and these days of course we have very different system when people literally like for many many years we like supported on the state of very poor yeah. fragile health and that makes mm -hmm. of course like uh, different and that also kind of uh, produces kind of favorable conditions for this SARS uh, like a virus uh, type COVID virus cor uh, coronavirus to spread so particularly again for people who are old and have poor immune system but again if these people start to apply these sensible rules and kind of if medical people get more involved in terms of promotion like uh, lifestyle which allows a much stronger state of the immune system then of course like yeah. the effects of uh, uh, current pandemic would be like the, the effect of this virus even if it spreads like throughout the uh, continents and countries would be way way less i believe we've even application of this method, it should be possible to reduce mortality probably by a factor. Like it's hard to tell because it's kind of, it looks like, like a lifestyle disease and has a lot of similarities, as I mentioned, like uh, before we, uh, we had, a, had a chat that uh, with such conditions, like bronchiostasis, you know, like uh, cystic fibrosis, who developed thick mucus as well in lungs, like with Chinese doctors pointed out mm -hmm. about coronavirus, and uh, uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome uh, or inflammation of the whole lungs leads quickly to the like worsening of the state and mortality is very very high when this takes place but that again like kind of has huge similarities although again like it, it's a bit uh, difficult to tell exactly but my expectations would be it can be easily by factors of three five or maybe even ten times reduction in mortality if people yeah. who already get infected would start to use the system which uh briefing retraining which i teach and promote that would include something like two hours of briefing exercise a, a yes. physical exercise for those who are able to walk and brief yes. with nose because not all people we know like people like with COPD, emphysema and other conditions when the lungs depending on the damage to the lungs 
uh, would be the main factor which limits the ability right. to do exercise. Right. So if we start to doing physical exercise, if we manage to, uh, if we make uh, drastic changes because from even medical research, it is now known that certain diets allows dramatic improvements in inflammatory markers. So to reduce inflammation, inflammation like in uh, coronavirus people does not appear uh, out of nowhere because this is what like kind of makes me frown maybe in a way when I see comments of doctors, they say, oh, we don't know why this ARDS or lung inflammation appeared. Well, it, it, the body should have like initial conditions for inflammation to appear. In inflammatory markers are already elevated. And when we say also in addition that all people like with uh, pre-existing conditions and they start to list again, heart disease, hypertension, diabetes, mm -hmm. Uh, asthma, COPD, respiratory conditions, and patients yeah. with cancer. There are a lot of research saying that, especially when if they get chemotherapy and radiation, they already mm -hmm. additionally immunosuppressing. Suppressing. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. they list like four main killers. These four killers of uh, of modern civilization, main killers like disease of lifestyle, and. They say, like, we don't know how to manage, but there is research done by, by diet alone, and that relates to, again, very low-carb, carnivore, or PKD, paleolithic ketogenic doctors developed by Hungarian doctors from paleomedicina, which is extremely effective way to reduce inflammation in the body, because we have such phenomenal cases on geoblastomas, Crohn disease, uh, uh, colon cancer. So... Uh, severe arthritis. So there are a list of extremely difficult conditions which are very, very difficult to manage. I know even with briefing retraining and we have such uh, really amazing results with application of, again, carnivore diet or nearly carnivore, like when we have zero carb or very low carb diets applied on, on patients with different conditions. Plus, of course, many other lifestyle factors which, again, like such as nose briefing, don't sleep on the back. So, Medicine, in a way, like this is like kind of an idea I got quite recently, that it's what is uh, kind of a big problem with medicine. Well, maybe two problems I, I see as a uh, huge limitation for application of medicine, like why we are uh, quite ineffective with dealing with chronic disease. Because again, in relation to acute states, like when people re really have trauma or some surgeries urgently required, you know, brain surgery or heart surgery. Uh, it's, like, it's like phenomenal, uh, amazing results are achieved in these areas. But in terms of uh, care about, uh, long-term care about chronic diseases, this is where medicine suffers. And I believe two big uh, kind of challenges in medicine and factors that restrict its success are, first of all, a huge reliance on drugs, on medication, one of yeah. them. And another part, it's actually not even, a, I don't think it's, it's, a, it's a fault of medicine. It's whole our culture is based on the idea of comfort. Comfort means like you just feel yourself need to feel com comfortable. Means, well, you don't have energy today, today for physical exercise. Well, just don't do it <laughs> because you don't have energy. So uh, doctors would say the same. Well, you're tired. We would put you in the bed. We say, lie more. You need to get more sleep. You get more rest. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Boteka, we, we would teach the other way around. If people are really serious, we would teach them. And we hyperventilate at night. And we know that we have highest mortality, you know, when they wake up. Because I believe mm -hmm. human body is not designed actually to sleep more than four hours. This is where uh, worsening of health and worsening of breathing gets particularly uh, strong mm -hmm. after about four hours of sleep. You go to sleep 11, 12 o'clock, first three, four hours, you're quite okay. 
And then later, as we discussed, four to seven o'clock, this is the time of highest mortality and highest exacerbations. So uh, modern medicine will teach you sleep longer and we would teach opposite, sleep less, you have to kind of struggle for your health. So modern medicine starts tired, don't exercise. We say no, brief, uh, walk as long as possible, but with nose breathing. So very different approach. Food, doctors say, well, you eat as much as you like. We say no, probably it would be healthy if you're able to, if you don't need extra food, very dangerous to eat extra, to, to eat more. So when people with uh, even coronavirus, how we care, people say, well, it's now, my breathing is heavy. I feel like it's difficult to breathe. With doctors, what we say, don't worry. We put it on ventilator, we, we make a machine to breathe for you. So you see, like, it's, it's all uh, uh, kind of directed in a way of creating comfort. And why? Well, because our culture is all about it. So like uh, the whole idea, this is how Boteke also, Dr. Boteke criticized our whole civilization, kind of foundation of our, like, what is the paradise? What is the paradise? A lot of food, <laughs> nothing to do. <laughs> so you can rest, you can eat a lot. You don't need to do any physical exercise. Lie on your back. It's very warm conditions. Dr. Busek was teaching when you get 20 seconds high, start to use cold shower. It's almost Wim Hof. <laughs> <laughs> I have a video, Dr. Buteka himself, winter time, he takes his sweater, puts snow around him, then lies down in the snow. This is like what we were teaching in Siberia, like Siberian doctors, we would write, what is the ideal? You take a two basket of ice cold water, pour it on yourself, go running barefoot. That's healthy. Right. That's of course depends, like, because if you are sick enough, you, you would not be able, we have, uh, of course, certain kind of preliminary requirements or contraindications like certain people of course cannot do and most people who are sick we will not be able but as soon as we achieve certain level of health again let's say when we teach for example to start jogging or running more than 20 seconds because with less 20 seconds very few people are able to jog or run and breathe through the nose we cannot do it so we need to achieve certain level of health in order to start this activity. And it's hard when we start it. So, but we don't care that it's hard. We don't care that, again, the pillars of our civilization is comfort and rest. So getting kind of more food, less exercise and so on. When people start to use cold shower or like dowsing with ice cold water or swimming even, you know, in the lake and winter time and so on, when they get more than 20 seconds, because we know at this level, the immune system is way stronger. And then people are able to do it if we do it the correct way and they get even stronger and they can progress. So that's how the technique works. Well, for a technique that requires such a strong um, willpower, it's hard to imagine that it was developed inside a bar in a pub <laughs> between two neighbours. <laughs> oh my, am I painting a picture that's not quite there? Well, um, it's getting close to the end of the summer. I'd love to ask you where can people find out more well uh, websites do you have any um any channels on youtube or something so they, they can have course, a... yeah we have we have uh, uh i have 10 books on amazon so we are kind yeah. of some of them related to specific conditions but some of them yeah you can see what the books are about and uh, we have uh, a youtube channel with more than 200 videos so have quite a lot of information we are, oh, 
of course, these are usually initial steps, like how people are able to unblock their nose, stop coughing, relieve constipation, so kind of different. But of course, many conditions also discussed. We have videos even like on diabetes, cancer, like uh, other serious conditions. Now, uh, normalbriefing.org has more than 500 pages. I believe it's the largest right. site in the world which, uh, which devoted to briefing retraining, how to change our breath from Again, one way that we have, let's say somebody has, to a certain way which provides relief from symptoms, from medication, from mm -hmm. health problems. And so that people get uh, yeah, more, more vitality, like way better health. Because the method, again, like kind of has these two unique qualities. Why well, I can say that it has three unique qualities. First of all, it's probably the world's uh, hardest, most challenging therapy to change your own breath. Next yes. one, it's at the same time, again, in all my experience all these years, I know that it's a therapy that always works when people are able to change their breath. There are very rare exceptions, probably of the order of maybe one, two percent, depending on which methods people apply, because sometimes people can improve their results for breath holding time test. But with improvements of their breath holding time, their pulse remains too high. So few people kind of, because of the wrong application of uh, like doing uh, breathing exercises which are not suitable for them or doing maybe too much or too intensive, like various factors are involved. Mm -hmm. People can kind of deviate from this path because it's not exactly a linear relationship. But again, for yeah. well over 97% of people, uh, as soon as we slow down their breathing, they get improvements in health. Now, uh, this is one second quality. But third, there is another quality of this therapy. This therapy is based on this DIY body oxygen test. And I had a lot of people like who, if, if, if you don't like, like what I teach and so on, okay, body oxygen test is like, you know how to do the test. You can do whatever you like, like any diet, any physical exercise, no physical exercise, whatever you prefer. See whatever helps you to improve your breath day after day, month after month, year after See what helps you to achieve like long-term best results for your health in terms of just body oxygen test alone. And you will come back to the system again that what we teach, like you should not sleep on the back, should not breathe through the mouth, you do more physical exercise, so <laughs> have correct posture, do a thermoregulation, apply cold correctly, like all these kind of techniques, uh, see if you can restrict your food intake, but also see like what type of food are safe for you so that you can have less inflammation, less health problems related to your diet. So how these factors involve so physical exercise and another like big, big area. So there are many kind of uh, uh, <clears throat> factors inside the system, which uh, I teach probably in total, I can list more than hundred uh, uh, various factors which uh, influence our breath. And many of them we mentioned, but there are so many others, like there are big area, which we call focal infections, you know, cavities in teeth, athlete mm -hmm. feet, athlete's feet or feet mycosis or uh, uh, root canals or people who have dead tonsils, you know, tonsils which we were cut during childhood like by doctors, but for whatever, or the, the, the tonsils which died like when people had uh, a lot of in, uh, infections, inflammations during childhood, the tonsils shrink, shrunk and they became infected tissue. So although they are almost invisible, they can cause huge uh, health problems. So there are kind of various specific uh, problems as well, which people may experience. and. Sometimes we can play a crucial role, very significant role in terms of uh, blocking their progress. 
So sometimes people can be so sick and we need to apply maybe even additional techniques, additional kinds of methods. Uh, occasionally it happens maybe, let's say, uh, two, three people in a hundred that I would have. It's uh, extremely difficult for them to move forward. Okay. Okay. Well, it's been, it's been a fantastic seminar. I've, I've learned a terrific lot. It's been just um, non-stop information, and obviously there's so much to learn. What we will do, we will put a link at the bottom of our published video to your YouTube channel. And, of course, it will have your name as well, so people can search for your name on Amazon for the books that you've published. So um, they can learn more. There's, there's so much information. It's, it's, it's just too much to take in on this one, one session. Well, thank yeah, you so I, much. Thank you, John. Yeah, I know. It's actually, I hear it all the time from our students and people who come to my lectures as well, because uh, even the whole paradigm idea, like uh, we need to breathe more, it is actually also part of our culture. And this is what Dr. Dr. Buteka criticized a lot because like uh, he, uh, in, in Russian he would say that actually the whole idea of debriefing because he was criticized, he criticized uh, debriefing idea concept itself because and I realized that it's true that most people imply when we say, okay, what is debriefing? Like you, you take a large amount of air. But yeah. uh, some people may say debriefing is with diaphragm, which I completely agree with. So it's a medio medical fact that 80-90% of job, like when he, people have normal breathing, should be done with the diaphragm and only 10-20% with lower ribcage, little bit expanding. So ribcage participates very little in breathing right. and rest or during sleep, for example. Right. This is how it should be. And uh, yeah. Yeah, therefore, like it's kind of, yeah, it's like uh, something which... If somebody wants to explore, yeah, you're, you're welcome to do it. And thank you very much for this opportunity to share this experience and knowledge. I always love these um, um, these things where it's, it can be a zero cost thing. All you need is the knowledge of and how to apply it. Yeah, we, we say, yeah, the answer is literally under your nose. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for your time, Dr. Artur Rakimov. It's been absolutely fantastic having you with us. Okay, you have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.